Hi friends, I'm Andy Sell, and these are the people we know. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of People We Know, the podcast where real people get excited, sometimes a little angry, contentious, a little, sometimes a little sad, yeah, sometimes a little nonplussed about unreal people. <laughs> the best kind of people, because they don't disappoint <clears throat> you. They, I don't know about that. They disappoint me all the time. Well, when they do... It's not it's, them, though. It's on the, the people writing them. When they do, it's at least hopefully for a narratively justifiable <laughs> reason. You know, which which speaks to our topic today because that's a big part of why I think I like pro wrestling better than real sports. <laughs> because like I know that like you know if Daniel Bryan loses, it's not just because Daniel Bryan disappointed me. It's mm-hmm. because the pe- the powers that be have a plan he's for him. He's the yes 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 guy. Yeah, okay. he's he's a, he's a little one hundred ninety five pound goat looking dude. <laughs> he's like a uh like an organic only vegan who uh like even though he's you know one of the top guys in the wwe like still shares a honda fit with his wife or his fiance Um, what is his i don't see i haven't watched wrestling in so long and that's another thing is that he just goes by his real name that's his real name is brian danielson um yeah but he still just has a name he's just a guy with a name like he's not the yes man or something you know like he's not like it that's come on yeah, that's why I'm not into. We go into that in the conversation, I guess. Yeah, that's that you, why I'm you, not really you prefer so much the gimmick it. era. I do. Is what I, I do. Got. <laughs> I prefer, and I understand that. Like when wrestling first, when pro wrestling first was a thing in this country, in like the fifties, yeah. yeah, it was like the first thing that was ever on TV. There were people had they went with regular names, but they also had like a gimmick, you know? Yeah, like Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George. Yeah, that's Gorgeous was, George was awesome. You know. Yeah. Uh, and they kept that kayfabe like all the time too. Like Gorgeous George, if he if his show was coming through your town, mm-hmm. he would go to the salon and like be in character the whole time. Like they lived. Yeah, it. I heard that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's it's a weird, weird, committed way of doing what they're doing. It's performance but, art. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> like like there were certain promotions that um, would fire a guy for losing a bar fight. Like if you were in the town and you went out drinking the night before the show or the night after the show and you like people would challenge these guys to fights because they thought that they were real badass and there would be some redneck redneck yeah. who wanted to roll up on, you know, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers or whatever. And uh, if Nature Buddy, Boy Buddy, I thought Ric Flair was the Nature Boy. Buddy Rogers was the Nature Boy first. Okay. Yeah. And then then Ric Flair came along. Um, Nature Boy <laughs> Buddy Rogers was like 60s, 70s. He was really old school. Back when a wrestling match was like 10 minutes of headlocks. And then, like, one guy would do one thing, and then it would be over. It was really boring back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, this guy said, like, if you go in and you lose a bar fight, then you don't look like the toughest guy in town anymore, and I don't have any use for you. So, you not only would you get your ass kicked, you could get fucking fired. Yeah. For getting your ass kicked. Yeah. America, guys. Yep. (laughs) There was very little job security um, for professional wrestlers in the 60s and 70s. If you don't recognize this voice right now talking to me, this is uh, John, hey. John Veron. Yep. The man behind the man behind all the men. I stand behind, behind a lot of men. <laughs> yeah. It's, I like the view. It's Hey, <laughs> there's, there's, there's lots to look at. Hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, you're a wrestling fan then. 
Yeah, I. Uh, it's something I'm just now kind of coming to terms with again. <laughs> yeah, how does that? Because I. So when I was when I was younger, I was into wrestling as a kid. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it was fine because other kids were also into it. And yeah. like, You know, you'd have conversations at school. Now I didn't have a lot of friends, so I would watch wrestling. Oh, me either. And then try like I would hear two people being like, "Do you believe? Can you believe Jerry Lawler used a wrench on the one two three kid yesterday?" And then I would come up and be like, "I know that was crazy." And then they would. Like trying to fit in, and then they would just walk away. Yeah. But I would, you know, I made a few friends. Like my friend Seth, growing up, we were kids. Uh, his favorite guy was the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I was more of a Taker uh, rules man. He's the he's the greatest. Yeah, he was. I mean, I liked him at the time, but uh, it, it's weird because then you know you get to a certain age and you're like, I think even as a kid I knew it was fake. Yeah. You know, but I got to a certain age when it was like, okay, this isn't cool anymore. But most of the other shit I like is fake too. And I, well, like, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. But there, it's wrestling, pro wrestling in particular, like walks this strange, this strange shadow realm. Yeah. <laughs> when it, it does to, when it comes to its, 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 uh, legitimacy and its, uh, Especially uh, now in the, uh, we talk about this in the main interview, um, but there's a concept that I uh, talked about a second ago called kayfabe, mm -hmm. which is basically keeping kayfabe means staying in character and uh, perpetuating the illusion that this is an actual competitive sport. And that's over now. Because everybody knows. Everybody knows around the time of like the Attitude Era, which is when like Stone Cold was big and The Rock was just coming up. Like that just sort of, I don't know if there was like a, a flashpoint well, moment, but it stopped. I think that it's, the reason it stopped and the reason that it took so long for it to stop is the same reason that, for example, comic books yeah. now are starting to get more and more adult as we go on and starting yeah. to get more geared towards adult is that our generation, we come from a generation of people who never grew out of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we did grow out. Some of us grew out of it, but then jump back in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like That's exactly what happened with me in wrestling. I stopped watching wrestling probably when I finished high school mm-hmm. and I started again about six months ago because CM Punk was on Mark Maron's podcast <laughs> and he sounded like a really, really articulate, intelligent yeah. guy. I, I started again in college. Yeah. I met some people who were into it and I was like, I, wow, you guys are into this. I remember this and, and I was a kid and they're yeah. like, yeah, well, we just kept watching. Like there was, there's a certain amount of people in our generation that when, when it comes to those childish, so-called childish things, wrestling, comic books, cartoons. Yeah. Oh, wrestling is childish. Figures, I'll be the first to admit all, that. Yeah, it's all, it's all very, but <laughs> there's a certain cross section of, of men from our generation that never stopped. Yeah. They just st- kept going with all this stuff. And I didn't know that. And so when I found out that these kids were into wrestling yeah. in college, I was like, holy shit. Like, you guys are still... And they're like, yeah, we just kept watching. Yeah. So I started watching again with them and I got back into it. And we would play the wrestling video games and go to... We went Dude, to a WCW NWO Revenge on the N64. <clears throat> that was my jam. No, we did uh, the... No Mercy on oh, N64. Oh, No Mercy was really, really good, too. Um, but it's, it's. I mean, I'm sure they were, you know, intelligent, articulate guys. And, and that's, mm-hmm. it's cool that they could just be open about that because that's one of the big things now, like, since I started watching again, I've had to kind of square myself with the fact that I watch wrestling because, like, yeah, I just same, feel like there's yeah. a stigma to mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm a little bit ashamed. Yeah. Like, when I first started, like, I didn't want my girlfriend to see me watching it. <laughs> like, which is weird. That's Well, that's how I was in college, too, when I got back into it with these yeah. guys. Like, a lot of the girls were like... Like they thought it was cute, so they would get yeah. in and start watching with us too. Yeah. But like, yeah, overall, it was like still, it was like, oh, we can't tell people that we do this. I mean, then, but 
But then the thing is, is that more and more people found out that we yeah. were into it, and more and more people started coming over and watching the pay-per-views with us. Yeah. And then we started doing like, oh, this is really dumb. We started doing, we started having like wrestling matches in our lounge. On oh, we, I did that in high school. We, yeah. we dressed in costumes. Oh, we had characters. That we is cut, rad. We cut promos on each other. <laughs> like it we, we that had, awesome. We had valets. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And then one night, it got we got so many people involved that it went out to the quad. Oh shit! On campus, and somebody called the fucking cops, and not just police showed up, a fucking van. Oh my god! Full of riot cops in riot gear. Oh my god! And canine units showed up, <laughs> and we and we all just had to run because we didn't know what was going on. Oh my we, god! And we had weapons, you know, we had chairs and, yeah. and those Budokan sword or whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, kendo swords, sticks. The kendo sticks. Yeah, we had those. We had you know we had real swords. We had all kinds of like. I've gotten hit in the nuts. head with some stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, in, in high school, we would have hardcore matches. And I've gotten... We found that there was this one like type of double-layered cookie sheet that made a really, really satisfying sound when you hit someone in the head with it, but it didn't really hurt. <laughs> yeah, we used the cookie sheets too. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was, it was was satisfying. Yeah. It was nice. Um, like, I once held one up in front of my face and a guy kicked it into my face. Um, <laughs> it was it was kind of cool. Um, we, did, we had a table we set up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess the main thing... The, the reason I wanted but to yeah, it talk... Got, sorry. Go, the reason I wanted to talk before the main... Uh, uh, segment was the main event yeah the main event was uh, Royal Rumble. <laughs> I, I wanted just some help dissecting where this shame comes from i think it comes from the shame the same shame that i have when i mean it's different now because i'm in a i'm a you know in the stand-up world there's a lot of people like me a yeah. lot of people like us yeah. who have continued with comic books science fiction uh wrestling whatever Nerds. cartoons yeah. whatever it is that have you and as a result i mean in the regular world there's a lot of people that have still done that so as a result like the art has started catering more to adult males yeah as opposed to like the teenage although you could argue that what an adult male and what a teenage male want are the same thing but um you could <laughs> but it gets a little more sophisticated and it's elevated the art to a degree yeah so we still we still we we still will absorb this stuff because it's grown with us to a degree. exactly because it's grown with us and it speaks to us in our yeah. language now but and in the comedy world is different because in the comedy world like everybody is emotionally stunted yeah and like i and and i actually feel it's weird i'll go to parties full of comedians or outside of open mics with comedians and i'll feel weird because i'm not watching wrestling Oh, really? Because a bunch of people start talking about wrestling, and I will have no That's fucking clue what they're talking about because it's been so long since I've actively watched it. Yeah. Um, so then I try to get into a conversation with com with someone about comic books. But even then, people... It's, it's not... I don't think it's necessarily anymore because people look at it like it's stupid or childish. Yeah. I think it's that people... They don't... With a lot of these things, you have to keep up. Yeah, know you have to keep on. up, and it, but I, I will, I'll, I'll stop you there and contend that it is kind of stupid and childish. No, like, I mean, if I sit down and watch a Raw, like I can't watch that. Hulu Plus puts on Raw now is three hours long on on Jesus. USA, and they Hulu puts up a ninety minute cut down of it, and that's the way to watch it because it cuts out a lot of the filler. Yeah, but it's still like cringeworthy and stupid a lot of the time. Like I, mean, it I watch it and been. I'm like, this is not good writing, and this is not entertaining. I, mean, I think it's less. It's grown less than comic books have. Oh, it's it totally grown less has. than yeah. cartoons have. It's grown less than whatever yeah. other things. Like thing there has. are definitely times when I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, like, I could not defend this to mm. someone. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like I what what's on the screen right now is indefensible. But you still like there's still some there's still a core to it 
Yeah. That is what you've always liked about it. Yeah. And there's, you know, as I've learned more about how in-ring psychology works and like, cause now Stone Cold Steve Austin has a podcast um, mm-hmm. where he talks a lot about the psychology of wrestling, which is yeah. basically psychology. The psychology of a match is sort of the, the story of it. You know, you don't want, what you don't want is a match where two guys just go in and just randomly do a bunch of moves yeah. until a thing ends. Like you want it to be a story. You want it to have a beginning, a middle and an end. And a skilled wrestler knows how to read the crowd's reaction and then call the next spot based on that reaction and say, okay, they, they liked that. Now we're going to do, you know, this thing. And like that, watching people improvise their way through a 20 minute narrative Mm -hmm. is really thrilling and interesting and it's well done like uh at elimination chamber the wyatt family and the shield had a six-man tag and it was just never a dull moment like those guys left it all on the field it was great and a wonderful story and i could tell you as though it was a real wrestling match what happened yeah but i know they all planned it beforehand but then you still have like so that's the thing you like about it. like the, the, that's the, when you have moments like that yeah where it's like a rich narrative it's a rich and it's okay. so for me that would be in comic books yeah uh, and I guess for you too because you yeah like I like too. comic books too but yeah. uh, you know like if I'm talking to someone about okay for example I just started reading Red Sonia today yeah uh, Gail Simone's new Red Sonia book uh, and I'm loving it so far yeah like I think it's it's really well drawn. Uh, it's really intelligently written, um, and it's, and it's got all that stuff on it. But at the same time, like someone could point to, Hey, it's still a voluptuous chick, like, you know, like a 13 year old, still chain mail bikini. Yeah. Yeah, And a chain mail bikini posing all whatever. And it's still a little bit the cover of a Molly Hatchet record. Exactly. (laughs) And that's the thing that would make me be like, Oh, you're right. Like that's stupid. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I, but this other stuff, you know, like this other stuff yeah. is going on with it. It's great. And um, I had a point. There well, was I a think place it's I was important for this. us, like as, 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 you know, sort of postmodern consumers of mm-hmm. media. Yeah. I just said that in a conversation about pro wrestling. Well, you internet. Know what's, the thing um, about that is, is like you, you listen to a podcast by Steve Austin. That's yeah. part of your reference point for enjoying wrestling. Totally. And part of my reference point for enjoying comic books or enjoying slasher movies or yeah. enjoying cartoons is also reading the, the, the um the surrounding cultural discussion yeah, about these things totally same thing with it me validates it like I want to listen to Grant Morrison talking about having shamanistic experiences yeah. in Tibet that makes me enjoy All Star Superman more mm-hmm. when I hear uh, Steve Austin yeah. talk with uh, Shawn Michaels about uh, you know how he de- how they both develop their in ring personas as extensions yeah. of themselves because that's the big thing that kind of sets Steve Austin apart from the gimmicky guys was Steve Austin on some level is kind of stone cold. Mm-hmm. He's like a comic that way. Yeah. That like when, when Chris rocks, you got to be on a little bit, but at the same yeah, time, when Chris rocks in his living room, he's not acting like that, mm-hmm. but he probably still believes most of the things Chris rock, the onstage persona says. Yeah. Um, not all of them, but probably most of them. Yeah. And it's the same thing with stone cold. Stone cold is just Steve Austin turned up to 11. Yeah. Um, well, and it's whatever that thing is inside of you that you need to embellish publicly. Yeah you know, to carry you forward in whatever it is you're doing. And it's telling, I think that Steve Austin didn't really get over until he really embraced that. Like he, Mm -hmm. when he debuted in the WWF, uh, he had a shitty gimmick. That's how he found his voice. Yeah. He he had this shitty ringmaster gimmick and it was terrible. And then he cut this promo on, uh, he was in, uh, King of the ring, 1996. And he had just beaten Jake, the snake Roberts, whose gimmick at the time was, he was all into Jesus. And he grabbed the mic and he said, you can keep your John 316 because Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. And, (laughs) 
that's a cool thing to say to yeah, somebody after you beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, and that's what kind of put him over because that's just the kind of guy he kind of was. He's a shit kicker mm. from Texas. Um, but I guess the, the point I was making about postmodern consumer media is um, I think there's a lot of pressure on us to justify why we like things and analyze them. Yeah. And like, I, and I enjoy that as an activity. Like, well, I that, like talking about the camera work in Halloween. Uh-huh. And I like talking about all-star Superman as a deconstruction of, you know, superhero mythos and a yeah. reaction to the Brian Michael Bendis realism stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think I, there's a level on which I'm doing that, enjoy doing that with wrestling. But I think that it's important just talking just personally. I think it's important for me emotionally to get to a place where I can just like the stuff I like and not have to feel the need to defend it to somebody. Well, and it's harder and harder with that because of the because of the surrounding cultural discourse about these things. Like, uh, it's it's almost like to some degree it's difficult to like something if you can't then run out and tell a bunch of people why you like it yeah. and have them sort of echo that back to you or nitpick a disagreement with you you want to have a communal you can experience engage in a social experience with it because huh. also too a lot of these things are things that when we were kids they were not things that were they were widely popular but only to a certain only to certain types of kids yeah. you know what i mean like like other kids in our in our generation when we were like what sixth seventh grade and we were into slasher movies and comic books yeah. and and wrestling stuff like most other kids were like watching football games yeah they were getting into and, sports and like yeah. hanging out with their dads a lot and they and they kind of left uh, behind comic at a certain point they left behind comic books and wrestling and, yeah. and horror movies and then they because and we just found the really good to, ones to, 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 <laughs> I don't know if it was too be more appealing to the opposite sex or to oh i think that's a factor or to uh earn <laughs> you esteem, and i just knew we had no hope <laughs> earn earn esteem from their from authority figures or the approval of their parents or if it was just some sort or maybe of maybe they just like different stuff initiation you know into adulthood mm-hmm. but they abandoned this stuff and then we didn't and we kept watching the Halloween sequels yeah. and, the, and and we kept reading the X-Men and we kept watching WrestleMania cheering on the undertaker, you know, like yeah. we stuck with these things because they still spoke to us. Yeah. And then that was used as, as a, as a, as a, as a token of abuse against us or as a, um, as some, as a, as a way to ridicule yeah. us. Or well, make and the, us and the reason smaller. the wrestling one, I think stings me personally a, a good bit is like the criticism for comic books and slasher movies and stuff is, Oh, you're a nerd. And I eventually kind of embraced that label. But the criticism with someone who watches pro wrestling is you must be stupid. I don't, I've faced that a lot in slasher movies and comic really? books too. A lot of people will look at comic books and say the same thing they'll say to wrestling fans. They'll say, who gives a shit? None of it's real. Like, who cares yeah. that Cyclops killed Professor X and is now on the run from the Avengers? Like, none of that happened. And I'm like, yeah. but it did. Yeah. <laughs> you don't understand. It did happen. No, we have to none of the it. stuff in the Bible happened, but you keep going to church. Yeah. And with the slasher and I don't put movies, that on you. With the slasher movies, what I constantly hear is from both sides of the aisle, you know, I get the, I get the, you know, the normal people, the, the, the red state folks that yeah. are like, 
well, this is just ghastly. This is gross. Yeah. And there must be something wrong with you. You must yeah. have a problem if you like watching this violence. And then the other side is... It's hugely you know, misogynistic. It's misogynistic <laughs> and it's it reinforcing the Reagan values. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think both of those people, both of those sides are fucking wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think that those are opinions voiced by people who've never actually sat down and exercised any kind of critical thought while watching these things. Yeah. Um, and I think I can make the same argument about wrestling. Absolutely, like I can, yeah. I can point to certain performers. I won't name names and go, you know, I don't really like what they're doing. Um, and they're not really for me. Um, but then there's other guys who like the Wyatt family and the shield who like, yeah. and the shield and the Wyatt family on the face of them, I could describe them to you and they would sound stupid. Like the mm. shield, like, cause at the end of the day, like we're supposed to believe that all these gimmicks are happening in the context of a sport of some kind. And that's where it starts to kind of break down. Like the yeah, shield is supposed to be, like, it's not a sport. <laughs> yeah. The shield is supposed to be some kind of paramilitary organization that wear tactical vests to the ring fucking why oh, it's like when the uh god what was that uh right to censor yeah when they were hanging around i love right of to censor like, that was a great idea it's just sort of like what but it's why does the wrestling ring have anything to do with yeah, this like you're a fascist yeah. anti-free speech organization <laughs> yeah like bray wyatt is supposed to be circle <laughs> why bray wyatt is supposed to be some sort of swampland charles manson figure who <laughs> spouts bizarre like you know uh bizarre kind of like populist anonymous sort of stuff like he says things like one day the sheep will realize they outnumber the wolves um a lot that's like straight up a slogan in that's like lyrics i've heard in anarchist yeah that's like dust capital type shit i've seen that (laughs) on occupy wall street signs yeah yeah (laughs) um but like why has he chosen the world wrestling entertainment Why organization platform yeah, yeah exactly like he's 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 they're setting up a bray wyatt john cena match for wrestlemania I mean, which is going to be awesome but like he's attacking john cena on the basis that john cena is a hero and people need to believe that there are no heroes and like <laughs> he's bane yeah like you can't think about it that hard <laughs> so yeah it's it's interesting too because that that kind of stuff happens in comic books too yeah. where it's like there's like these like really intense like socio-political ideological like uh, moments where it's like well that's great yeah but we're still the banks still own us yeah (laughs) it's nice that that's in a comic book and maybe some 14 year old kid who hasn't thought about this before might read that and at the end of the day that you you still have to square yourself with the fact that whatever whatever that character's beliefs are they decided to put on a mask and adopt like a cold gun gimmick and like (laughs) everything they're doing kind of happens in the context of that Um, (laughs) that's why superman's great because he doesn't wear a mask because he says people need to trust me they need to see my face yeah and although hey the you know black block anarchists wear masks yeah yeah and they they get the job done (laughs) they build trebuchets in the street and launch molotov cocktails at the russian at the ukrainian police that's pretty good jesus yeah sorry i (laughs) (laughs) kiev forever (laughs) it always gets really really leftist Uh, eventually i'm a a very Um, yeah but we we should wrap this up in a minute but i guess the, the 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 central question um i have is you know how can I let go of this wrestling shame? And how can the other people know. listening who who might experience this as well? Is it weird? Am I the only person who feels this intensely? I don't know. Or, I feel like everybody who likes a thing like that's got to feel some amount of that. Some yeah. amount of like, am I not an adult because yeah. I like this? Like, yeah. is that does that make me? Does that mean I have a problem? Yeah. I don't know. It's you know, and the thing is too is that this stuff intersects with real life often. 
and it's hard to for example in the con- and i'm going to say this uh i'm going to break this illusion here i'm going to break yeah. kayfabe for a minute <laughs> and let you guys listening know that i the conversation with paul about the undertaker that comes up later we've already recorded it yeah um and i want to address this for two reasons and uh i start laughing when we start talking about chris benoit mm. and i don't think that what chris benoit did was funny uh, I mean, there's the whole joke of, you know, what I'm not going to get into it, Yeah. but I don't, I think that that's a tragic event and it's awful when you, when you, when you honestly think about it in real human terms and you do that and the, you know, the real world math on that, it's an awful thing that happened. It's so terrifying in its randomness that you have to contextualize it somehow. Uh-huh. And since you're a comedian, that's yeah. how you well, approach it and also and that's that and that's also, not a knock it's totally fine and understandable yeah but also it's a point where that's real life intersecting with this culture this cultural item that we consume this yeah. commodity that we consume and that's there that's a weird area man that's a real oh, it's weird terrifying. area the, the on the pay-per-view where owen hart passed away when mm-hmm. he fell yeah um, i can tell you there's that, yeah. there's a moment where jim ross said, who's still the best wrestling announcer ever i absolutely love him um when he when mankind fell off the hell in the cell and he goes as god is my witness he is broken in half <laughs> you yeah. bought it man yeah but uh when when owen hart fell um and they were taking him out jim ross said um this is not part of tonight's entertainment this is real and like broke kayfabe wow. in that moment yeah. and like hearing jim ross say that was jarring yeah. and you kind of had this oh god there's no net under me sort of moment mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it but yeah i, I know what you mean yeah. um and it's well, the same the thing, thing with chris is, yeah, when it when it when you have that thing that happens it's really just sort of like holy shit like i didn't so when i hear the name chris benoit yeah. there's this weird sort of you know it's too I don't know how to describe it. It's two things coming against each other. Yeah. Well, because everything that you knew about him before that moment goes completely against. It's like Chris Jericho says, like he just believes there were two Chris Benoit's um, and Mm -hmm. he didn't know the one that did that. Yeah. You know, and that's the only way to like go on with your life. Otherwise you have to, the alternative is to believe that everybody, you know, no matter how nice and sunny they are, are capable of something like that. And that you can't go through life yeah, believing that. No, that's rough. Yeah, so you I, just have to do something like, yeah. because that way leads mad leads to madness. Um, so I totally get it. And it, I mean, it, it sucks because Benoit was probably my favorite wrestler. Yeah, he was great. He was amazing. My friend, Anthony, I hate it. See, this is a thing too. I take this history with it too. My friend, Anthony loved him. I hated him. Really? I, for some reason, there was something about Chris Benoit. I didn't like, and I always would make fun of him. Whenever Chris Benoit came in the room, my friend, Anthony would be like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> Crippler crossface, you know, and I would just be like, he's fucking tiny. What's he going to do? You know, look at him. He looks like he, he was looks, not a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. He's, he's a little fellow. He, he looks like the last guy into the bar fight. Like I would just make these, I would just make jokes about it. Like, yeah. you know, he looks like he, I don't know. He looks like you lick your balls for a five spot at a truck stop. Like, I, you know, I was just, and now I'm saying this shit now and I'm realizing I'm saying this. But you were about saying it just to, get, just to get a rise out of your friend. Yeah, I was saying it just to be an asshole to him. Yeah. But he was, a, he was actually a really great technical wrestler. He was like, amazing. Yeah. He had this best of seven ma- uh, series for the television title against Booker T um, in WCW. Uh, like right when I first started watching. And it's another example of WCW just having an amazing undercard mm-hmm. but the main event just being dog shit. Um, like Hogan versus Nash and his shitty <laughs> knees again. But then in the undercard, like first hour of the show is this 
television title series between Booker T, who's great and uh, and, and a little bit more of a striker, and then yeah. Benoit, who's more of a technical wrestler. So their styles really mesh in a nice way, mm-hmm. and they're just they're so fucking good. These yeah. seven matches, like I feel like if someone doesn't understand why I like wrestling, that's probably the first thing I'd show him. Like actually, most of the matches I would show someone to explain why I like it have Chris Benoit in them. Like I showed the triple threat match where he won the world title at WrestleMania against Triple H and uh, Shawn Michaels. It's an amazing oh, match. Oh yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's so good. Match. Yeah. Um, because these guys are just telling a story. And at the end of the day, like the thing that sucks uh, right now about being a wrestling fan is that um, there's only one company producing product. Mm-hmm. And so they, like when WWE decided we're going to make our product PG, that means that it's really difficult to consume non-PG wrestling that mm-hmm. has a little bit more maturity to it. There's companies doing that like Ring of Honor and out here in LA, Pro Wrestling Gorilla out in Reseda yeah, yeah. is doing stuff. I keep stuff. hearing about PWG. And Paul keeps trying to get me to go. I really, really want to go sometime. Um, we should we, do we it. Should, we should we absolutely should, do this. Yeah. We should uh, I mean, we should try to get one of those guys on the podcast. That would be uh, awesome. It would be so cool. Um, but like the problem is like, of course it's you know it's goofy and everything but how much of that is because pro wrestling is by necessity goofy and how much is that is because the wwe mm-hmm. has decided to make wrestling goofy right now or for certain yeah. parts portions of the of the program um so that's that's kind of difficult but that you know that's that's confusing the medium and the message i just you know? realized that i could have said football too at any point during this <laughs> I get I get people there are a lot of people that I talk to that think football is stupid. Really? Yeah. I mean it kind of is. But it is, it is it, it I think is I like it for stupid. the same reason you like wrestling is that really? there's there's a poetry in it. There's a poetry in the physics of it. Oh yeah. It's, no, I it, completely yeah. agree about football on that yeah. level and I don't understand football nearly as well as you do, but just like knowing all the things that have already happened by the time the snap occurs in, in a football game. Oh my game, god, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Like it's like once you know that stuff yeah, all there, the coaching so decisions much that more are being of an appreciation made. For yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 a chess game to a large degree. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, but it helps when my rook can move faster than yours. <laughs> 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 you know that's helpful. But anyway, um, sorry. I guess you know it's it's gonna be a good day when I can just say you know oh yeah I like wrestling like and without then, feeling any. Without feeling, do you any, think that's like, going to happen? I think so. I think it yeah. needs to happen. I get that way. I, you know, I've. It's weird. I've never really believed in the concept of guilty pleasures to a degree. No. Um, I, I've always, I've never felt self-conscious. I mean, people have tried to make me feel self-conscious about horror movies and yeah. comic books and stuff like that. And to a degree, I guess I do sometimes. But I, but I never have trouble being like, yeah, I fucking think that Halloween Four is a legitimately great movie. I think that Friday the 13th is a legitimately great film. I think no. these are well-made movies that are with important stories, and I'm not going to apologize for that, and you're not going to make me feel any shame for it. Yeah. Um, wrestling is a harder, <laughs> a harder one, it's I tough. think. And I it's don't know tough. why. Yeah, I, I think it's... Because I think that even, to a, even when I was in, listen, watching it in college, some part of my enjoyment of it was ironic. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a little bit of that, but you know, there's when you watch a really really good match, it just kind of transports mm-hmm. you a little bit. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's it's at the end of the day, you're watching really really athletic people yeah. do mm-hmm. incredible things with and to oh, their yeah. bodies. Well, like Jeff Hardy, dude. Like that was I think anytime I watched At Jeff, WrestleMania 17 when, Chris, when he got speared yeah. while holding those belts hanging yeah. in midair. Oh my God. Chris, <laughs> watching Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and Jeff Hardy and even Triple H, you know, there's 
most wrestling I would watch, and like people would ask me, "Who's your favorite wrestler?" I'd be like Takamichinoku from Kayentai. Like that's my favorite. <laughs> he was he that's was pretty silly. good. I love him. And yeah. like for a long time, my favorite was D'Lo Brown. But you know, there would be moments where it would be com- completely sincere for me. Yeah, and it was any time Jeff Hardy was splashing off the top, you know, yeah. off the turnbuckle. Anytime, you know, anytime Chris Benoit was in there, anytime yeah. Eddie Guerrero was in there, anytime... Uh, Once Benoit starts chaining those German suplexes, you're you're in it. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> like you're watching something that most people can't... Do. I think that's what it is, is it's just most people on the in the world can't do what he's doing yeah, right now. Yeah. And he's... And he's it's big, it's a second nature to him and it's even it's like watching things. a guy catch a fucking a long bomb pass on his helmet with one hand you know like it's yeah like, it's that sort of shit yeah and it's little things for me too like i love the rock but i lo- my favorite thing about the rock is how he sells like when it's, See, the rock his thing was always i mean he's great he's a great athlete he was a great yeah. wrestler but him he was mostly charisma it was oh, mostly dude, his, his promos charisma. were killer yeah oh his mankind pro- anytime mankind was in the ring too yeah. it was just this their tag amazing. team the rock yeah. and sock connection yeah. it was just so much fun <laughs> but like when when you watch like watch an old video of just like the rock getting punched uh-huh. and like the way he he moves the, the his body he, sells, and he, sells, it he sells it incredibly yeah. well like you you buy because he's not acting like a real person would when they got punched yeah. there's a stylization to it mm-hmm. and like almost a, a, a kabuki he's, thing well, going he's, on he's, he's almost like jack Jackie Chan in that sense, yeah. like he's pulling the Jackie Chan's peaking opera training into yeah. into what he's into the into the fight there. Like I always like Jackie Chan a lot. He's it's more real than real because Jackie Chan for a long time when he was trying to do martial arts, maybe he was trying to be Bruce Lee. Yeah, you know he was because everybody was a Bruce Lee impersonator for yeah. decades, and then he realized at one point like. Well, no, because Bruce Lee is untouchable. Like yeah. he gets there's hit. already a Bruce Lee. Yeah, in a movie when Bruce Lee gets hit he looks like he it makes him mad yeah so jackie chan started doing this thing where he was like i'll make it look like it hurts me yeah and and, and the rock kind of had this sort of in between yeah those i don't know why that's the that's the reference point i'm no that makes here, a whole, but, whole lot of sense like um, but it's 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 the fact that you know you can pinpoint that about the rock and pinpoint the extreme stuff about jeff hardy and the technical side of chris benoit like it all speaks to the variety and breadth of skill you have to have yeah. to do it well yeah you know and when you do it well you do you kind of perform a magic trick well, and it takes this whole diverse cast yeah. of different skill sets and talents and characters yeah. to create that world yeah uh, and to make that world interesting it's just yeah. like in the comic book world yeah you know and even in the in the horror movie world like all the things we've been talking about today yeah. it takes all this like diverse amount of this diverse stuff and it takes some strategy but it also takes you know weird hazard it takes chaos it takes like the x factors the circumstances yeah to make it interesting too and uh yeah i i i'll never make fun of somebody for liking wrestling like it's not really my thing i watch it sometimes i can't i I won't i I, i've been out of it for a long time now i but i you know i watched that undertaker match undertaker and triple h and it was fucking awesome. Like, yeah, I was dude. so glad I watched that. Taker's like almost 50, and every WrestleMania, he shows up and has the match of the night. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he was, guys, it was way better than the uh, John Cena Rock. Yeah, yeah. He that, just, that, and that his, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but his match at WrestleMania 26 uh, against Shawn Michaels is like legendary. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to catch up on it. But think about that. That's WrestleMania 26. The guy debuted like around the time of WrestleMania like eight 
<laughs> like, yeah. and yeah, he's like in his late forties. And he's just the Brett Favre of he the He totally WWE. is, but he didn't ever start playing for the Vikings and shit the bed. Um, uh, the American badass period. We'll oh, say that right. <laughs> biker taker. Yeah. Uh, biker taker. Well, uh, under biker. Yeah. This, this has been therapeutic for me yeah. uh, and I appreciate it. Yeah. And I so, don't want you to feel any shame about this, John. I want you to get to, <laughs> I want to see you get to that point where someone where I can go you, out in hey, public in a like Daniel Bryan shirt and just be and okay like, with it. Fuck. Yeah. I like wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go out in a CM Punk shirt or a Daniel Bryan shirt or yeah. dress up like the undertaker and go somewhere. Well, maybe that's a little, that's, 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 that's going to get you arrested. Well, you could do that on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Um, make a little bit of cash, <laughs> make some money, take some pictures. Cool. You want to, you want to come watch WrestleMania next month? I do. Well, yeah. I'll probably. Do you want to go? We'll, we'll see what Paul's up to. For yeah, it. we'll see what Paul's up to. We'll, <laughs> we'll uh, you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll cook some uh, cook some etouffee and go uh, go watch what hopefully will be a good WrestleMania. And that's a whole other half hour, forty five minute oh, conversation God. about yeah. just the creative clusterfuck that's occurred in the last six months over in the WWE. Um, oh yeah, that's I. I it's funny because again, being a stand up and like on Twitter, I follow a lot of stand ups. Yeah, and who like, follow wrestlers? And I haven't been watching wrestling. Yeah, and it's just like I that raw when that shit happened. It was yeah. just like my Twitter feed was full of, and I was just like, I don't know what the fuck happened. But no, okay, no. but there's there's an intersection there. I mean, Patrice O'Neill wrote for the WWF mm-hmm. for a while yeah. in a, the late nineties, yeah. um, and he he eventually quit because he had to do shows. Well, and Stephanie and, McMahon doesn't appreciate part timers. Uh, and uh, McFoley's been doing stand up. Yeah, and he's uh, apparently really Chris funny. Jericho was just on an episode of Midnight. Yeah, like and was funny and was really funny he won the show he was the funniest he was up yeah. there with andy kindler and fucking uh, uh Kurt Kurt Ronald. Ronald. and he held and his he, own and he held his own and he was the best one up there it was fucking yeah crazy. it was great he was always just the funniest always, wrestler I loved, too i always liked like when him. when malenko was the man of a thousand holds and then he announced that he was the man of a thousand and four holds <laughs> and then in the ring started listing all of them <laughs> he did he cut a promo where he just listed a bunch of holds and he like one of them was like uh the brushed wood green family credenza <laughs> 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 like hold number six arm bar hold number seven arm bar <laughs> he was just goofy i love him so yeah. much all right let's uh let's talk to paul about undertaker let's do it awesome Hey guys, it's uh, Engineer John here. I just wanted to give you a quick heads up about the next segment. Um, For some reason, uh, the program we used to mix the podcast decided to eat one of the tracks for the following interview. Really sucks, but uh, we really, really like the conversation um, that we had about The Undertaker. We want to release it in some form. So what you're about to hear has a little bit of a janky audio quality to it. Um, We feel like you can still understand everybody. You can still hear everybody but it is a little bit bootleggy so apologies for that um i'm the engineer it's totally on me but um it does sound a little bit like it was recorded on a potato go ahead and think about this as uh, people we know bootleg edition um and uh bear with us and hopefully you'll still really enjoy the conversation we had with paul lair about the undertaker thanks so much and uh enjoy But that, why would the Undertaker have a gong? He's got a bell, church bells. They're church bells. Like, 
you know, like the like for whom the bell tolls, or like the the beginning of that Iron Maiden song, uh, "Hallowed Be Thy Name," uh-huh. means someone's gonna die. I'll concede on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we could have had that argument yeah. for a lot longer. <laughs> Gong versus bells <laughs> argument. Uh, plus there's that Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Bells. It's one of his least scary poems. Yeah. It's not a scary one. Was it even supposed to be scary? Or no. is it actually like a love poem? It was about um, uh, how he was crazy. <laughs> Basically, and uh, coming to terms with that. Yeah, but it was also about I think. Um, See, that was it was about a lot of things. It was about rhythm. It was about uh, technology. It was about the pace of uh, modern life or what was modern life at the time. Um, See, that wasn't covered in the Raven, so that's probably why I don't know about. It. Yeah, is that the only poem you've read? Is the Raven? No, I mean the movie. Oh. <laughs> God damn you! God damn you! God damn you, sir! <laughs> I tried watching that movie and I couldn't get into it. Uh, it's terrible. It's really bad. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Well, you can't get... You can't, Jeffrey Combs is the only guy that should ever play Edgar Allan Poe. I agree. That's a... He wants you to fist bump him. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Say hi, John. Hey! <laughs> John and I just fist bumped over Jeffrey Combs. Uh, mm-hmm. Literally, he's sitting on the floor. You guys did it over his head. There on the floor. Didn't Jeffrey Combs also play H.P. Lovecraft? Uh, well, he, no, he played he played Herbert West in the reanimator movie, right, and then they got him from beyond. What about Necronomicon, though? Didn't he play H.P. Lovecraft in that movie? I didn't see that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's aren't there a couple movies called Necronomicon? But this one is specifically based off H.P. Lovecraft's. Well, I, basically every movie based on an H.P. Lovecraft work is very loosely based on it. Do you ever see Cthulhu Mansion? No. That's a terrible one. Yep, Jeffrey Combs did play H.P. Lovecraft. John coming through. With his, uh, work, with his uh, research devices. <laughs> uh, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of People We Know. Uh, with us in the Woodridge Hardware Studio today is Paul Lair, hey. stand-up comic, uh, host of the Dead in a Pitch podcast, yeah. uh, trivia guy. Yeah. Super Kick City. Uh, super Kick City. One, one fourth of Super Kick City. <laughs> one, well, one seventh, really. <laughs> uh, so, what do you? Uh, what else you got going on in your life? What else do you do? Uh, well, um, you part of the Branch Floridians? Yeah. As Steve Hernandez refers to you. Yeah, that was an accidental thing too. That was just two people from Florida I knew moved out here, then I moved out here, and then two more people from Florida. And now you're fucking. It's like you, it's like, you're like goddamn locusts. You can't yeah. go to the show without seeing somebody from Florida on it. Especially at Flappers. Now uh, Nick West wants to be from Florida, so we just refer to him. We've adopted. Do so you guys have an honorary system now? Yeah, he's a he's a Floridian. I mean, I did a show. How many Florida people. comics are there here? I don't See, notice that many. Oh yeah. Wendy, JC, Paul, Greg, uh, Lisa, Lisa, Andrew, Duvall, Andrew. 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 T- TJ, um, Chris Cope, Chris Cope. He's just yeah, he's been he's recent, right? Yeah, he just moved out. So there's less than 10. Oh, that's not that recent. Is that what you're saying? No, there's more. There's uh, Forrest. Um, yeah, Forrest Shaw. Uh, the Dave Williamson. The Power Violence guys from Florida, too? I think so, yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Jessica Michelle Singleton, though she wasn't she, born. Yeah, she just went to school there. Yeah. Right? You guys know a lot of people's history. <laughs> I knew Wendy was from there, and that's about it. stocking all comics in L.A. Yeah. You are? 
Where do you find the time you gotta to add, stock all of the comics in LA? You just add I people and you take a quick look at their about page. And you remember it though? That's my thing. The storing it I in the remember, brain. I'm like Gene Steichen in that in that regard. I remember where most people I meet are from. Because huh. I'm very big on that. I'm very big on where where, where are you from? To see, because I, I like... I don't know. I, I have friends in a lot of different places and I've lived in a lot of different places and I like seeing... Mm-hmm all the stuff and I want to see if I can connect with somebody on that level. You know yeah. What I mean? Like, oh, hey, you're from Chicago. Do you know so-and-so? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Area of town. Do you know this restaurant? Like, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I like to connect with people. I agree. Uh, I don't That's weird. It's not weird at all. <laughs> no, it's a I good... a lot of coffee. It makes sense and it's smart. Yeah. Not weird. It's okay. a quick way to relate to people, especially if you've like been to where they're from. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love I love that when I'm when to a, like, or if you're going there and you can ask them what to expect, yeah. especially in the comedy world. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's real big. It's good to have mm-hmm. connections. Store resources. Yeah, for sure. Never too never too many resources in the stand-up game. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we covered that. Yeah. All right. We got that. Uh, you guys writing it down out there? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, else, what else you got going on? Uh, zombie Cops. Zombie the Cops. Short film I'm directing and that you're actually. I'm going to be a zombie cop in it. You're going to be uh, Tall Cop's partner. Maybe with my sprained ankle. So I might be. Oh, you'll be limping for real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might have to lose the boot though. Oh yeah, the boot's, the boot's not. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah, it's just a short film. Uh, we had a Kickstarter going for that. We raised a couple thousand dollars, and we're actually we start shooting it next weekend, and we'll be shooting through it all of March, and uh, we'll get it out there sometime in the summer. So Fuck yeah. look out for that. Look out for zombie cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> Have a good day. Uh, all right. Yeah, Paul, I've been wanting to get you on here for a while, and I've been campaigning to be on yeah. here for a while. The so what happened? Perfect. <laughs> well, a lot of times when we have guests, I think, you know, the the listenership will have noticed this, is that a lot of times someone will pick a, a character to talk about that has maybe a thing coming up. Yeah, like a theme that goes on. It's a little, it's yeah. a little unofficial cross-promotion, I like to... So is that um, going on here? Is that yeah, it's going on. All right, so let's, uh, let's get to it. <laughs> Leah, you are just—you just want to get it done. No, today. I don't. I want to talk about the Undertaker. Oh fuck! Oh god, we're gonna have to cut that whole thing. I am such an asshole. Oh my god, you guys. For once, the faces. I know John is mad at me now. This is now I know what that feels like to have John's wrath. I'm sorry. Jeez. Shadow hands on the wall. It's very. Oh god, that was the worst thing I've ever done. Like today's character. Yeah, Paul. Yes. Who did you choose? <laughs> I chose the Undertaker. <laughs> oh my God! Good one. Wow. Mark William Calloway. The Nobody ruined that at all. Owner uh, of Calloway Real Estate. Is he a real estate mogul? He has a real estate company, and I so why isn't he? So he does both things. He should be Wait. a realtor. Well, he just got into real estate like not too long ago. He'd be the realtor, and he can you know choke slam somebody and be like foreclosed. <laughs> Actually, he complained in an interview. They asked him about how his real estate business was, and he said, I'm getting a lot of phone calls, but not a lot about real estate. <laughs> well, done. well, yeah, like he didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> Fucking it's a little naive, I, I feel. <laughs> Is he you? 
using his wrestling fame for his real estate company, though? I mean, it yeah, seems totally. like he should, yeah, but if he's upset should. that they're calling about him. You know, eerily enough, too, like uh, Kane, his, his on-screen brother, mm -hmm. just opened a, an insurance company. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just fuck. Perfect. <laughs> Did he sell fire insurance? You <laughs> <laughs> sound um, so clever. Boat, RV, like act of God. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty perfect. And then, then I would assume the Undertaker only sells haunted houses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only stuff on ancient Indian burial grounds. <laughs> ancient Indian burial grounds. <laughs> for that, we just had a moment of silence for them. That's what that was. Yeah, we're honoring. Yeah, um, we're honoring it. After you say, you have to pause. Yeah, well, you were. So, <laughs> no, just you, kidding. So, what's your deal with the dead man? What do you? What is your? So, I started watching wrestling as a kid. I think it was like like ninety six mm -hmm. or something like that. How old were you in ninety six? Um, I was eight years old. Eight. Yeah. What was eight-year-old Paul Lair like? What was your deal? What was your situation? You know, well, you know, I was living in Miami. Uh, we had a lot of hurricanes going around. So <laughs> a lot of Cuban cigars, a lot of Cuban cigars, chainsaw murders, a lot, of, a lot of Haitian cuisine, a lot of voodoo, mm -hmm. chupacabras. <laughs> chupacabras are a New Mexican thing, or what? Where, 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 how they? In Florida, from? yeah. Florida. There's, there's a boat. There's they come on the boats with alien numbers. <laughs> no, the chupacabra also has some mythos in Florida. Really? Well. Yeah, among the Cuban community. I always thought of the Chupacabra as like a desert thing, but Miami's no, not a like, desert. No, there's also like another like version of that where... Oh, like that, a close... That lives in like the west. Relative, sort of like how the... Yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, would it be like fair to say crocodile alligator? Or, or maybe it's... Uh, it started in Puerto Rico, says yes. John. <laughs> I don't buy that. I don't know. Is you said yes. Did you know that? Oh, you were just agreeing. I was agreeing. Oh, okay. Would that be your wrestler name, the Chupacabra? No, I've, uh, the Chupacabra? I've since I've come up with many uh, names over the years. Oh, oh really? I, 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 what, I, when you were eight years old, what was your wrestler name? Uh, Bones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you, your theme was? Oh, I, I said giant erection. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, he was now, he was Nathan Fillion, <laughs> <laughs> or not? Is that no? That's Castle. I get my I get my oh, yeah, yeah. mixed up. And David Boreanaz. Yeah. No, he's not. Is it, isn't it Emily Deschanel? She's yeah, but it's and then, but there. Yeah, David Boreanaz okay. on the show. All right. <laughs> I'm just, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Bones. <laughs> what was your What was your finishing move? Oh, uh, it was probably like a TKO. It's like a fireman's carry. Mm -hmm. Then you just kind of turn into like a like a cutter, like a Ooh. diamond cutter. I like that. I was very a big fan of that move. Wanted to do that, and then um, I did eventually uh, join the wrestling team when I was a. Were you like every other kid that joined the wrestling team? And when you got in and found out what it was, you were just supremely bummed. Uh, no, thankfully there was an episode of the Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah. Covered by yes. If anyone wants to talk about Pete Wrigley, either one of them on the show, this one of my <laughs> They did an episode that actually let me know what amateur, mm -hmm. like... <laughs> they prepared you for it. Yeah, so, but when I remember showing up for that day... Pete kept your dreams from being broken. I like that. Right, and I showed up there not 
thinking it was going to be like WWF, but I remember hping. Show <laughs> <laughs> so like, idea. No, maybe there's like maybe two. There's two. <laughs> yeah. Were you young or were you in high school? Or? I was in junior high. In junior high? I was okay. Like, uh, 12 years old. Is that why you started to do it because of WWF? Is that? Yeah. Okay. It was just, um, and I legitimately wanted to do it as a career okay. point as a child. I just thought that I could do it. And like, you know, even like today, I try to do some revisionist history or I was just like, I bet if I just worked out like all the time and just started <laughs> and never fell out of it. You know, what's interesting right now. I don't know if you guys have heard this. I hear stand-up comedy compared to wrestling all the time. Have a you guys... lot of comics are huge wrestling fans. Right. Yeah. Or just even the lifestyle yeah, or like the... trying to do, well, you know, at a larger scale. Yeah. You're trying to sell well, you version have to of yourself and you have to deal with bookers uh you have mm-hmm. to travel the road right you sell yeah. merch to try to lots of culture mm-hmm. you're autonomous you're selling yourself you're not really exactly yeah mm-hmm. you have to be a little larger in life you gotta cut promos yeah <laughs> <laughs> sort of i guess no but yeah when you said that like a lot of comics are into wrestling you, like, you have your closing joke which is your finisher uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you have your character that you present yeah. on stage it's yeah. really it, it's a balance it's the same thing I feel like I could take on DDP right now. <laughs> like, he's like today. today. And all. Oh, definitely today. Not, no, not Prime DDP. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe Prime Jeff Jarrett I could take on. Oh, yeah. Jeff Jarrett was never threatening. No. <laughs> he was very threatening to women, though. He fought a woman. Uh, yeah. That was the thing. This guy, Jeff Jarrett. He debuted as like a country singer. It was like really cheesy, cheesy like a yeah. country. He was singer. like a honky tonk man without the cool. Yeah, factor. but eventually he did like this program in the 90s uh, where he just like was sexist and he like, I guess he just hated women. Yeah. And he actually had a feud uh, with a female wrestler named China. And oh, I, I know China. Yeah, yeah she, Ooh, he, I know that one. He, yes. He feuded with her and his whole deal was women don't belong in the wrestling ring. And this actually, and it actually culminated in what is to this day the only good housekeeping match. <laughs> Where the only rules was you could use a weapon as long as it was a common household item. Yeah. Oh my god, are you serious? I yeah. I, she had to win, right, though? No, she won. Yeah. But, uh, she hit him with his own guitar, and then there was this big hullabaloo about whether or not... That's a household item. It was a common household <laughs> item. People were like, people have guitars in their house. Well, he, yeah. I mean, it was his guitar. Right. Yeah. So, but he didn't get to use it. Fuck, who cares? Yeah. Did he, like, in real life, beat up a woman, too? I think I remember there was some scandal. I mean, oh, so this is, like, true? This is all, like, real? Comes from a yeah, real place? Like, just like in comedy, you've got to be truthful in your... I mean, there's... <laughs> well, I just assumed, I mean, like, some of that was for sure. Many of wrestlers who have been linked to... Oh, yeah, Steve abuse. Austin, uh, Chris Randy, Benoit, Randy, one. Randy Savage. Who? Sorry, that was too soon. Who? Chris Benoit. Who? <laughs> <laughs> They're all laughing at something I don't get. (laughs) Oh, welcome to my life. uh, Brutally murdered his family. Oh, shit. Suicide. (laughs) And, um... They actually, my laugh? That's not funny. That's horrible. I'm they've sorry. Actually, um, WWE has actually erased his name from their oh, history Oh, that's archives. weird. I didn't know that. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, How do you think the other wrestlers that were like friends with him feel about that? That's going to be kind of shitty. I actually uh, read about, uh, in one of Chris Jericho's books, he actually talks about it. I love Chris Jericho, by the way. And the way Chris Jericho makes terms uh, with it is that he didn't is that he never knew the man who 
went crazy. Yeah. And like he only knew Chris Benoit, like the guy who was a close friend with mm-hmm. years and years. So whenever he talks about him, he's talking about that guy. Yeah. So he doesn't associate him. So basically, he the way he rationalizes it, there were two Chris Benoits, and mm-hmm. he didn't know the la- latter. Chris yeah. who did those things. You know, well, that's kind of interesting. What did I mean? He just went weird. crazy? or? Well, um, there's a lot of controversy about what caused it. And the most popular opinion is concussions, that he suffered a lot of mm-hmm. oh, wow. brain injury yeah. that led to dementia. Oh, my God. Which eventually led to him to just flipping out and just, yeah. yeah he murdered his... And there was actually a... a we should probably cut this whole part out. <laughs> But just a, a, it's informative. It is, but I feel bad. it's weird now because I think about because I said I mean I said it as like a tasteless joke like oh he's a big domestic <laughs> oh big, uh, oh yeah now that like we're talking and then about he laughed really really hard when well, he said he murdered his family and committed suicide. Well, I wasn't laughing <laughs> like hysterically like the harder than you've laughed at anything all day. Oh my god! But I'm a terrible person. I feel <laughs> I'm just messing with it. you. It's so easy. This one cryptic thing though, and also like so the night it happened too was the night of a, a wrestling pay per view and. He no showed it, and he and that night he just sent out cryptic messages. Oh my god! Friends and family, saying stuff like the dogs are enclosed are locked in the enclosed pool area. Oh my god! Yeah. that's creepy. Oh my god! So like it was planned out then. Yeah. He basically had come to terms with what he was going to do. And John doesn't know about that friends. premeditated business. John disagrees. Yeah. Right, I think he thinks that, that he just went crazy. Wrestling has That's a, what I think a lot of by hearing this story. People. There's a lot of tragedy. Just like stand-up comedy. Yeah. There's a lot of tragedy in that world. Uh, right. Oh, and Hart. I had a friend oh, yeah. who was there when Absolutely. that happened, uh, who saw it happen. And uh, you know the Owen Hart? No, I don't know anything, so just keep... Yeah. So, um, Owen he fell 93 feet. Uh, he had hit this the ground, hit the mat so hard his organs stuck. <gasps> Sorry. He had, a, he had a gimmick at the time known as the Blue Blazer, where he was supposed to be like the hero, uh, a new like superhero like mm-hmm. character to children. And as part of his entrance, he was supposed to be lowered down from the rafters of the arena ceiling. And his harness uh, malfunctioned. Oh my god. Plummeting in t- down to the ring. <gasps> Yeah. Death immediately, or oh yeah, yeah. yeah he died, okay. um, they, but, but this happened on live TV. Yeah, so oh my in order god, not to panic people, they didn't announce. Even though he died on impact, they didn't announce it. They put, oh, him, in they put him in an ambulance. And yeah. So, yeah, my buddy who was there said that immediately afterwards there was another match oh, that yeah. went out into the street. One of those, one of those mm-hmm. like uh, out of the ring matches. Yeah, and he said that it, like. It was really half-hearted because the two guys, I can't remember who it was. I want to say, well, I don't remember. When was this? What year was this? But then when they showed it on the Jumbotron, you could see see the uh, ambulance in the background driving away. And the next two wrestlers knew. Well. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeff Jarrett was also, also, he had the next match on that show, and they needed him to do, like, a promo. Oh. Get back on track for yeah. the show. Yeah. But he just couldn't do it. He was just, he was so sad that all he could do was talk about what just happened. So he just, he was completely out of character. And it was just like really oh, yeah. fucked up that they even asked him yeah. to do something. And then the next night on Monday Night Raw, uh, they just did a show that was completely like no stories, nothing. It was like if 
you don't have to wrestle if you don't want to wrestle. But some guys just went ahead and performed that night because they didn't know how, how, how else to deal with it. With yeah, it's, but they abandoned everything. It that was, is like stand up. That really does. I mean, because if there's a mic after, if there's a the death and like, yeah, then it, it mostly a lot of that becomes just people saying, uh, "I'm really fucked up right now. I can't do this." But here's my or thing some people saying, "I have to do I this right do, now because yeah, because it's the only." I way. don't know how else to process yeah. that. It's interesting, um, and it's also too when a wrestler dies. A lot of times, like. You know, it becomes like a story for, mm-hmm. you know, for a 24-hour cycle or whatever. But then, like, but it's not really felt on a national level except by wrestling fans. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like when a comic dies, it's like, the, unless it's someone like, you know, I don't know, somebody huge. Sid Caesar. Bill Hicks or Sid Caesar or somebody or Jonathan Winters or whatever. It's like, yeah, then the national consciousness. I don't is think like, Bill oh, Hicks is even huge enough that really? the national consciousness well, made him. Yeah. yeah, now he is, but yeah. I think yeah, I don't think but, that was. But like you know, impactful. You know when when Patrice O'Neill died, mm-hmm. it yeah, was so like totally. every comic was just uh-huh. fucking like even comics that didn't know him. You know, were just like Jesus, we we lost one of our own. I kind of always equate it too with like. You know the scenes from The Wire when like a cop dies and they have that wake in the bar. It's like, it's like we, we we don't give a sh- we yeah. nobody else cares, but we lost one of our own. You know, it's always, yeah. there's always that kind of feeling to it. It's uh, weird how you feel it, even if you don't know them. It's weird that yeah, I mean. Well, because the, oh, there's yeah. someone that you can draw own comparisons mm-hmm. to, where it makes you realize your own mortality. Yeah. yeah you're, you're just thought there. It's just especially if it's someone that you're not sure if they realize their potential yet. Right. So you're like, man, what if I? Yeah. Exactly. You know what? You're right. Slow or, um, or Will. Yeah. Lark died. It was just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. Speaking of dying, Paul yeah. Bearer. Paul, oh, yeah, Paul Bearer passed away. Yeah. That, and they used that on the, the they show. They did. So Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer was, was the Undertaker's ballet. Oh, okay. Um, he had the urn. A manager, that, yeah, he wasn't a ballet. He was the manager. Yeah, he was the manager. And uh, early on in the Undertaker's career, the, the whole thing was that there was this mythical urn that contained the Undertaker's powers, and Paul Bearer would carry it around. And was this the manager that turned on him? Yeah, the okay. manager yeah. that turned on him inside with a, a new character known as Mankind. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. <laughs> Foley. McFoley, yeah. uh, a.k.a. Cactus. No, I feel like if he dies, it'll be, it'll be a big news story. Sorry, oh, I'm yeah, bad dadding this again. No, uh, <laughs> no. Absolutely, I agree with that. But uh, Paul Bearer passed away sometime last year, and uh, this was actually... Was it last year? I thought it was... It was last year. This time last year. Really? It wasn't like two... I thought that was a while ago for Mm -hmm. some reason. Wow. Okay. But they actually used his death... Oh, yeah, you're right, because I watched the WrestleMania after, yeah. In what? I mean, they just... So, um, the wrestler CM Punk was challenging The Undertaker at WrestleMania that year. Because The Undertaker, another thing about him is that he has an undefeated streak at WrestleMania. Yeah. So, how many is it now? 40? 21. 20. No. Oh, there hasn't been any <laughs> Yeah, you're right. So, his whole thing is that he's undefeated at WrestleMania. Okay. No one's been able, and so, every year, somebody new comes out of the woodwork to try to challenge him because the idea is that that's the only thing in professional wrestling left to accomplish. No one's ever done it. Whoever can do it would be immoral. To beat The Undertaker. Yeah. Okay. You can beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's cemented. That's pretty badass. Yeah. It's a cool, like, and we'll get into this in a minute, but I really like that's the kind of stuff about. The pro wrestling world about WWE that I really love is yeah. those, the, the, that kind of thing, you know, 
when they do the legacy building and stuff like that is really cool to me. But uh, sorry, you were Paul Bearer and the Burn. Right. So he, uh, Paul Bearer had passed away this time last year, and they decided to use that in the build up to WrestleMania, where they actually had, um, they were doing a ceremony where Undertaker was honoring Paul Bearer, and there was an urn. And so the urn that Paul yeah. Bearer had carried around all these years containing the uh, Undertaker's powers now contain like Paul Bearer's ashes. <laughs> and CM Punk interrupted this ceremony and stole the urn. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> In one very <laughs> strange segment, like building up to it, uh, CM Punk attacked him with the urn and <laughs> poured the ashes out and rubbed it all over. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is an actual What's dead this? person. This is so oh weird. Two times CM Punk had that shit with Chris Jericho going on. Right, it was like it was that was the tandem. year before that. that. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that was yeah. the year before where Chris Jericho made him drink that whiskey. Right. Uh, sorry. Yeah. But um, but then at, so they had their match at WrestleMania. Uh, Undertaker won, preserving his streak, mm -hmm. extending it to 21 and nothing. And at the end of it, uh, the Undertaker reclaimed the urn and uh, carried it with them up the entrance ramp and just kind of held it up for this like it was like a really like beautiful oh that's, yeah yeah that's like weird like, no i felt that even yeah, though yeah really i felt it in my heart I did. he like held up the urn and it was just kind of like now paul bear can finally rest in peace Nice. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, that is really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> they just took this man's death and like, you're like, man, we're gonna use this. As like some superpower Is it fucked up or is it like? But it's kind of a, a nice tribute. Well, yeah. You know. You're in that world. It's like, okay, he, this makes sense. It's yeah. No, no doubt. People agree with it. I mean, they they cleared it with his family too okay. before they did it. His family was okay with it. And most wrestling fans and wrestling people alike agree that he would have enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like if a comic dies, too, like, sometimes at a mic, people will make jokes about it. Right. It's like a little bit of a roast, but it's like, it's, hey, we knew this. This joke. is how, yeah, this exactly. Is, he was part of our world. This is how we honor them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I think is, like, cool, it's like a poetic thing in uh, professional wrestling is that when you're at the end of your career and you retire... You're supposed to lose your final match. You're supposed to always go yeah. out on your back. So it's kind of, it's almost like oh, wow. a funeral kind of thing, insinuating that like you've like died in as far as like your character. Yeah. And so you just kind of like pass on to this afterlife, which is retirement. Wow. That's interesting. That yeah, is yeah. interesting. I mean, it happened to Ric Flair. It happened to Shawn Michaels. Does it? Has it ever not happened? I mean, there's uh, there's guys who violate that and come back, and but it's to me that's just like. You, you went out like in this really cool fashion. Oh, yeah. Oh, and now yeah. it's just like. Didn't not Savage the same. do it too? Didn't Savage fuck with the program like that? Uh, I don't know, because I don't. Who's in charge of these story arcs? I mean, when they start, like, when, for instance, when The Undertaker came out as a character, did they know how well, long he would be around? No, um, that's the thing, too. Yeah, it's, it's Vince. Yeah. Who's Vince McMahon? McMahon. Well, John, John's writing us notes in the background and holding McMahon up signs. He's the owner and CEO okay. of uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. But, um, he's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, you can do a whole episode on him. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a alone. he's a fascinating person. He's insane. Yeah, he has a T Rex skull hung up in his office, like an actual <laughs> skull of a time. You know what? That is, I respect that. That's a, I respect that. Yeah, that's a cool thing to have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if I, mean, it's if I found one, I would totally hang it up. I would have a Triceratops skull. 
Mile. Well, I mean, you can't choose what dinosaur oh, skull you, you can. can. You can with enough money, I guess. What would you choose? What what, what dinosaur, dinosaur would skull would I choose? <laughs> I wouldn't. I just would not. <laughs> I would choose something else. I just wouldn't. I, if I found one, I'd be like, oh, cool, and hang it up. But I wouldn't like. <laughs> it wouldn't occur to me one day to just seek one out. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. If you've just found dinosaur bones, you couldn't just keep it, right? I wouldn't but tell anyone. Yeah, PA. you can if you as long as you just don't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. They're story. fine with it as long as you, <laughs> nobody yeah, ever knows. No one's looking at it here because it belongs in a museum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ethically, probably so. give it up. But. When did he ever deal with dinosaurs? Let's, I'm assuming that at some point in his archaeological... Uh-oh, we have a nerd off. When, Andy? Maybe Sam yeah. Neill would have a problem with it. Look, man. I want you to cite a time where he dealt with dinosaur bones. <laughs> or you have to concede defeat. <laughs> make the assumption that in as many archaeological expeditions... Bad dad is when we get off topic. Oh, okay. When we get off topic. Thank you, Dave Ross. Yes, uh, from the Dave Ross episode. Uh, so are you okay? Let's yeah, let's get back to. It. But you did not concede that you were wrong. Anyway, getting back because to. Because I don't. Okay. Um, look, I'm a straight white male. I get to. I make the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you fluctuate between that and I feel bad for everything. <laughs> well, that really expression of me feeling bad for everything. Oh, okay. Uh, it's. it's I don't know. It's look. Eight-year-old Paul Lair. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Was the Undertaker your favorite wrestler immediately, or what? What well, was the story there? Um, my my father, the Undertaker, is actually my father's favorite wrestler. Your dad was into wrestling. Not to not as much as I have ever been, but he just kind of started watching it with me because I was watching it and okay. I would want to go. Oh, so that was like a bonding thing with yeah. you. Yeah, and he just really thought this Undertaker character was cool. Like he, mm -hmm. like my dad is a big horror fan. Okay. Like he loves like HP Lovecraft and high fives happening. Okay. And um, so this character we talked about this on your podcast. Your dad being a horror fan. Yeah. My mom's a horror fan. Yeah. Okay, sorry. It's, so um, him watching wrestling, he just immediately like uh, just. He was hooked by the. He was fascinated by this character, and so that was his way of just maintaining interest in the product, right? In the show, cause yeah. Because the Undertaker was just larger than life. I mean, he yeah. could turn out the lights. Well, that, he had the ability to summon lightning. That he was had an, undead druids. That was an era where all of the WWE wrestlers, WWF wrestlers were larger than life. They were all characters. And it was meant, to me, it was kind of like symbolized this whole like diversifying your, you know, your demographic, like getting anyone, like having a little bit of something for everyone. You know, you've got, you had the Honky Tonk Man, you had Tatanka. Tatanka. Uh, Tatonk. Well, when Undertaker debuted at uh, Survivor Series, it was as a mystery partner of uh, Ted DiBiase. The yeah, Million Dollar, the million dollar man. man. Yeah, you had, uh, you had him, you had IRS, you had fucking uh, Big Boss Man, The Rocker, Jim Duggan, The Rockers. Sergeant oh, God. Martin Sergeant, 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 Sergeant fucking Slaughter, The Iron Sheik, Roddy Piper, Roddy Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, who was my guy. When I was a kid, I was a Hulkamaniac. Yeah, that was what I did. Was Hulk, was Hulk Hogan until um, I, I got into I got really into Shawn Michaels. For yeah, a while. Shawn yeah. Michaels. Um, Big Shawn Michaels fan. Uh, but it, that's what I like. That was an era of of, re of pro wrestling that I came up in, and I loved that. And then when I got back into it in college for a little bit, there was there was a little bit of that going on, but they were starting to transition it to that whole soap opera deal, mm -hmm. where it was like instead of feeling like a comic book with these crazy characters, it felt more like there were all these like political 
you know, these like it's like Shakespearean political struggles and and power grabs and it's like, like a Greek tragedy going on. Yeah, there was a lot. It was like soap opera for men, and then that transition kind of led to what we see now, which I'm completely disconnected from, is this idea of like these guys have larger than life personalities, but they don't really have any characterization necessarily. Well, there's like CM Punk, John Cena. But Brock Lesnar, all these dudes that are just dudes. Well, recently, and I don't care there's anymore. been the inclusion of what's known as the Wyatt family. Are we familiar with them? I'm all? not. No. I've been they, out of they have work. a gimmick that's kind of like sort of similar to the Undertaker, where basically he's this like uh, crazy Cajun cult religious leader. Okay, now that's like, cool. Yeah, and like <laughs> think a redneck Mansons is yeah. what John. <laughs> think of like a Matt Max Caddy from Cape Fear. Oh. It's very similar, like the same kind of like wardrobe. The Robert De Niro or yeah, the Robert, Robert De Niro? Robert, okay. Robert De Niro. Yeah, he cuts these like amazing promos too, where he talks about like you know what you're gonna do to something that ain't afraid. What you're yeah. gonna do to something you can't kill. <laughs> like, that's and that's the stuff that I loved when in the late '90s, early 2000s, when I was when I started watching again was like the Dudley Boys. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> the and, 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 <laughs> Acolytes, man. <laughs> that was some cool shit. Well, yeah, and the acolytes were part of the the ministry, yeah, which um, was a stable run by the Undertaker. It, okay, it was basically like uh, this gothic cult. Yeah, and uh, would, they were badass. And he would just but that was before Undertaker became American badass and ruined. Right. Everything. Well, I was gonna. Sorry. We'll, we'll get on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Undertaker basically, I guess, expanded his operation, and he would start uh, <laughs> kidnapping and brainwashing other wrestlers. <laughs> And they would be reborn. New oh, nice. Similar to his and with new names. Like there was Midian. Yeah. Uh, Viscera. Oh, wow. Viscera. Yeah. So they would fight their own matches without him involved or? They would basically be representing him. Okay. So it was, So he became the leader. There was there a lot. In that period, well. there was a lot of that of like people forming up groups mm-hmm. and they were like struggling with each other for power over the world wrestling. what? of domination. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the disciples of apocalypse. And what are you saying changed about it though? You're saying that it's more about. Well, they, they, they got. And I honestly, I stopped watching when um, when the Turner thing happened, when they when WCW came oh, back they in, WCW? when they bought WCW, and uh, those those guys all came in, and it, it was really, it wasn't like I was done, you know, I didn't make a conscious decision like, oh, I'm not watching this garbage anymore. I just kind of like got to a point in my life where I didn't have time for it anymore, and then I lost contact, and then I tried watching again years later, and I was just like. I don't relate to any of these. I don't think any of these characters are fun or entertaining. It just—it's not. Like, but you don't think that's because of where you were in your life. You think it's actually the characters were different than they were. I they were, and the Undertaker is like the only, to me, the only holdover from that. Again, I'm not as familiar anymore. But mm-hmm. like, the guys started coming out in like, you know, they all were all wearing the same outfit. Yeah, that definitely became more of just like um, they try to be like regular people. So okay. Like characters. So guys wouldn't come out. So it wasn't as dramatic. Fun. Maybe. Right. So okay. just guys were debuting with like regular names. Like okay, like Renee Dupree or like. Yeah. Okay. So it's like more like a. Okay, I get what you're saying. Which yeah. is like uh, you know Steve Austin, The Rock, and Triple H kind of. That's that interesting because it follows that sort of reality TV show trend that yeah. Yeah, TV exactly. did. It, so. I think that's it. That's it what it is. Yeah. Reality TV as opposed to, you know, the comic booky soap opera. But which in itself isn't that wrestling though was the like sort of the tragedy of it and like the 
dramatics of it. That's what I always understood. From an outsider's yeah. perspective, it seemed to me that was the draw. Rather than, you know, if you're a kid and you like watching that, you know, that's a different thing. Yeah, I mean, that is part of the draw, but to me, without the crazy characters, it's just kind of... Well, there actually, there is a movement going, especially now that uh, WWE, their developmental system, mm-hmm. it's called NXT, and on there, they're, they're trying out, like, new gimmicks on people all the time and and Vince McMahon and the creative team on the main roster they don't oversee what happens on NXT they have their whole other creative division who works with guys on gimmicks there so right now like you got a guy whose name is like Tyler Breeze and he's like a male model he basically has a Zoolander gimmick like, oh, uh, that's cool. He, he does a runway strut, like, to the ring, and, and he takes selfies, and, you know how they have, See, that's what I'm talking about. And you know how they have titantrons? Yeah. His phone is linked up to the titantron, so it's just him. When you look up at the screen, you just see him, his face, yeah. and he loves looking at himself, and, and he's even built from, like, making his, like, seasonal residence in, like... Milan, Italy, and then like the season changes, and he's like making his seasonal yeah. residence, and, and he's totally he's yeah. a heel. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is that so many of the times this like stuff reflects like red state archaic. Yeah. Sort of, you know, like in the eighties, it was like, oh, this guy's a foreigner. He's the bad guy. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this guy's coming in with a Japanese flag. He's the bad guy. Like, or a Russian flag. He's the the Iron Sheik is a classic example. But like, then it started going into like I remember William Regal. Yeah, he was a heel just because he was a, a British snob, you know. Like I feel like he didn't even have to be a snob. Just he comes in with that, you know, that uh, what's that? The British song playing. Uh, oh, yeah. Everyone just fucking hates him. <laughs> well, they actually there's CM Punk as a heel was straight edge. Yeah, but he, I mean, then he was a but face he was, too. But, and he was, right, wasn't he straight but edge? Use the straight edge thing is to say that. that oh, you guys are better than you. Uh, okay. Like, yeah, you're right. I, I do remember that now, yeah. And right now, um, there's actually, when you say, like, foreigners as heels, well, there's actually a tag team right now known as the Real Americans, and they have, a, like, a tea party gimmick. And they're, are they faces? No, they're heels. Like, oh, they, they're like, oh, thank God. They don't like illegal immigrants and everything. But here's the thing, too, that's also, like, weirdly progressive about it. They're for legal immigration. One of their members, his name is Antonio Cesaro. He's actually from Switzerland, and he naturalized into the United States. And they're, so they're okay with naturalization and legal immigration. And they even have, like, a legal immigrant as part of their entourage. But they hate, like, their whole thing is, like, we hate border, border hopping, like, men. Mm-hmm. So, and they're heels. Yeah. That's okay. Okay, that's good to know because I'll tell you some of the stuff that even in the t- early 2000s I would watch I would, I would cringe I would be right. like oh god but who is the master puppeteer of all this like who what what values is that reflecting is it the audience that you know is that's it just more I think to be like timely okay as far as it because but who's in charge of those decisions I mean okay really just direct. just yeah. one guy is like orchestrating well, all of creative the- team so uh, Basically, the way that it works is that there's a creative team that's hired, mm-hmm. but then there's a hierarchy that can basically be like, I don't like that. Okay. It's Vince McMahon. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Just one guy is able to say, yeah, we're going just, with this. So I thought the, I guess the reason I, I thought that the wrestlers came up with their own character and storyline, and that was, I guess, incorrect. But it's all. But it has to be okay. Okay. But for instance, The Undertaker, when he started, did. They was it just lucky that, that was their idea okay okay and actually um well did he, you ever see beyond the mat no you should see there's a documentary called beyond the mat okay. is it beyond or behind 
Beyond. Beyond, yeah. Uh, and, and there's even a scene where a guy, guy, a hopeful, goes in and is talking to Vince McMahon and is like, well, here's what I can do. And, and it's like, can you puke on command? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be his gimmick. He's the guy that pukes. Uh, and his name was Puke. Yeah. Oh, my and, God. And, and what? Hands making all these decisions, and he's you know it's, okay. Uh, um, sorry, but the Undertaker. <laughs> now the Undertaker um, eventually uh, got bored of this dead man gimmick. Mm-hmm. So what happened was eventually Mark Calloway, who's the guy who plays the Undertaker, mm-hmm. yeah, the real <laughs> Mark Calloway, the guy you see on Calloway benches, <laughs> he's smiling. He basically got this level of fame, and it was just such a big a draw. Uh, in the company where now you couldn't tell him what to do. Also like stand-up. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, so Vince McMahon like, you know, he has like final approval, but it's just like Undertaker is such a draw. Right. Makes Vince McMahon so much money. So if Undertaker doesn't like something, he can threaten to walk, and that's a legitimate threat now. Right. So the Undertaker then wanted to do a biker gimmick. I heard about this American. So, okay, we talked about it on the Will Weldon episode. Yeah. Between American Badass. Between 2000 to 2003 came, yes, <laughs> Biker Taker, aka American <laughs> Badass, aka Big Evil. So I guess this was a this was a downtime for his a. like a. the lowest that got kicked out of Ozfest. <laughs> he rode a motorcycle to the ring with Limp Bizkit's Rollin' playing. <laughs> okay, but so it, it, at first it was American Badass by Kid Rock, but then he switched it to Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. Oh my God! A vest and an American flag bandana. Yeah, and a so we'll talk about how this is his yard. So as like a fan of The Undertaker, when this happened, what are you thinking? What the hell is? <laughs> it's like um, it, it seemed like. But cheesy moment in a comedy where it's like a time traveler yeah. <laughs> to explain today's culture. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. Yeah, but he would just like go around and like he would and he was talking differently and he yeah. was like he was like threatening people but then he became like he was just like a dick to people like he wasn't like scary really he was still scary okay. in the sense that he was intimidating he was scary in the sense that it reminded you of, of somebody that you could meet at a at a, one of those weird yeah. parties okay but instead of being like this mythical like force that seemingly was like unstoppable he became like he's just the guy in the bar yeah. that, that gets too drunk and hears you say something that he doesn't like. like yeah, so he it's a, he traded in an awesome character for sort of a yeah. But yeah. It, it, again, it reflected the time because mm-hmm. Kid Rock was huge, Limp Biscuit was huge. Um, that kind of bullshit. I mean, what would essentially at some point become the Tea Party? That weird American yeah, pride, exactly. George Bush nonsense. That was popular at the time, and yeah. Undertaker wanted to do that as. Was it a successful change, or I mean, because he didn't stick with it. I mean, The Undertaker was—they did it for three years, mm-hmm. but from 2000 to 2003, he stuck with that gimmick, and just The Undertaker just had all this like kind of notoriety okay. where he could continue to exist, kind of like you know how Eddie Izzard just stopped wearing a dress, yeah, like, eventually, but yeah. he still had his fan base. Mm-hmm. Like some people probably were just like, oh, I don't like it, not, I liked it better when I was wearing a dress. Yeah. So that's the same thing with the Undertaker. Where's the where's the where's the Western? Yeah. Where's the where's the Western zombie guy? Where'd he go? Yeah. Where's the guy with the stiletto hat? Where's the where's the mayor of Ghost Tombstone, Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> but then the the dead man gimmick would come back later in uh, 2004, thankfully. Okay. 
Uh, and you can't talk about uh, The Undertaker without talking about his brother, Kane. Oh, God. Are we going to get into Kane? Yeah, I liked Kane for a while. I dug Kane until he started talking. So, yeah. Well, so The Undertaker was in the midst of a feud with Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels, like, he had, like, the pretty boy gimmick. Like, he was okay. very, like, you know, he was the sexy boy. Yeah. That was okay. whole Sexy boy. Such a boy toy. You guys could have all just made that song up just now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Paul Bear was, oh, had already, like, turned on him. And the Paul Bear started making threats that, like, so all these years ago, Undertaker had a brother named Kane. And who? And then there was a fire at the house. Their <laughs> the parents died. Let's be honest. And Undertaker had sworn that Kane also died in the fire. So he yeah. lost his brother, okay. younger brother, and his two parents Sad. in a fire. Mm. And then Paul Bear says, "Hey, Undertaker, Kane's not dead, and he is coming." <laughs> yeah, not for you. Okay. <laughs> so and then uh, it was going to be the culmination of the Shawn Michaels Undertaker feud. It was taking place in the first ever Hell in a Cell match at a pay per view called Bad Blood, and when it seemed like Undertaker finally was going to get Shawn Michaels and like defeat him. That's when Kane debuted, ripped open the cell door, and like choke slammed him. And Kane. Oh my is, God. Kane, let's, Kane is huge. Yeah. Like not. He's not like a big. He's just tall. He's super tall. He looks like a fucking Game of Thrones White Walker. Yeah. He's a monster of a man, and he's where he wears this mask to cover his face because it was badly burned in the fire. Okay. And he doesn't. At the time, he did doesn't talk. He needed a voice box. Like yeah. A, oh shit! I forgot about the voice box. Yeah. He would need, he would need like one of those. Uh, yeah. Boxes. Like a smoking. And it was really creepy, like the way he would he would, like talk with it and like cut promos, and then he like turned face, but he would still cut yeah, promos. Yeah, here's, and say, here's a picture of him. Oh shit! Damn, he's big. He's <laughs> pretty cool. Are they on the same side though? Well, so eventually they would get on the same side, and they became known yeah. as the Brothers of Destruction. Okay. And they would te- they would just tear stuff down, and like they were unstoppable. They were really cool. Yeah. Even when he was Biker Taker, they were still like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, they were in Oz for a while when he was Biker Taker. Yeah. And then then I think they were... They they teamed up. Yeah. And um, eventually, like, later in the late 2000s, Undertaker came tried to kill the undertaker like again <laughs> and when i say tried to kill the undertaker i mean he literally buried the undertaker alive. yes yeah what <laughs> and in another instance he put the undertaker in a casket and lit it on fire yeah what <laughs> yeah and that's the shit i like, like and th- at that point i was really behind kane because fuck the undertaker at that point uh, and then eventually it was revealed that Kane's biological father was actually Paul Bearer. Thus, really making. Oh the my God! Yeah, it's because they were still brothers. Yeah. But so the mom, the same mom. Yeah, and different dad. Paul Bearer was Kane's actual father. Oh, crazy! And the thing about Kane and the Undertaker that was really appealing to me at the time was well earlier, I guess, before Biker Taker nonsense, uh, mm-hmm. was that the magic power abilities. Like, that right. no other wrestler had, you know what I mean? Like, uh, every other wrestler had a gimmick and a character, but they were just, they were still just mortal men. Re- meanwhile, <laughs> Kane and Undertaker are these, like, fucking super beings, you know, that 
it's like a so there weren't mix. other ones that were like that. That was um, I mean, the well, there was Gangrel and Mankind. He came kind of close. He was kind of like this deranged uh, being who was okay. like born in like a like a boiler room or something. Yeah, and like chased rats and wore a straight yeah. jacket. Okay, he didn't have superpowers. No, he didn't have Gangrel superpowers. Was a but vampire. weirdly enough, he owned the Undertaker. Like he regularly beat the shit yeah. out of the Undertaker. But the Undertaker can summon lightning. <laughs> and can summon fire. Yeah. Those are like their Hadoukens. Right. I just read that. And when I explained it to my college roommate, uh, he said, well, how do they ever lose? Yeah. Uh, they're like, well, or if they did it during a match, yeah. they'd be disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> no supernatural powers for the rules of the ring. Though that has happened. Like, it, it's happened wrestling yeah where it's like the lights will go out and like that that's that that'd be like a way that they'd re-debut the undertaker sometimes like two guys would be having a match and then <laughs> and then the lights would go out and when the lights came back on uh the the two guys were just laid on the floor on the undertaker and <laughs> <laughs> that was okay sometimes <laughs> did you so did you switch to the undertaker as a I mean, was he? He wasn't your favorite wrestler. Was your dad's, right? As a kid, but and that was like a bonding thing for you. Mm-hmm. Undertaker was always definitely like one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, you know? like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ranked him as my number one favorite. I was like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. I like those guys. Oh uh, yeah. Just because it felt more like they were coming into their own as I was watching them. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker existed before I started watching wrestling. So he was just kind of like like there, but it felt more like I could like Austin and The Rock. They felt like they were more for me just because they had debuted. At, yeah, yeah, I get that. I think the, the Undertaker debuted while I was watching mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid, and I didn't at first. I didn't really like him because there was I was into horror movies and all that kind of like that was my thing. But there was something about The Undertaker that felt kind of fake to me. That yeah. felt like oh you're pandering to me. Like even at that age, I was a shithead about it. I was like. <laughs> Oh, we already established the eight-year-old Andy is a shit. <laughs> Multiple times. Like, yeah. Do you remember his fan of the opera gimmick? Oh, God. I think so. Did he, now he, I remember him coming up in a cloak. Well, what happened was he actually broke his orbital bone. So he had to wear, like, a mask. Yeah. But yeah. They, they, made, they, they made the mask so it was similar to the fan yeah. of the yeah. opera mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> face yeah <laughs> it was pretty cool actually um he was my friend seth he was my friend seth was obsessed with that and undertaker was his favorite wrestler and that was another part of it too maybe was like i can't have the same favorite wrestler as my friend yeah yeah i felt that way too like it, it just seemed like kind of i guess you're sh- struggling so much to be your own person mm-hmm. when you're yeah. a little kid that you, you feel like you can't have the same favorites mm-hmm. yeah. as other people. I mean, I would... And that's when I got into Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I was like that. I would uh, have a crush on the ugly guy in New Kids on the Block because I felt bad for him because nobody had a crush on him. <laughs> yeah, I would do that too. Like... Or it seemed that's how we. That's how hipsters started. That's <laughs> oh, don't even, don't even bring that at me. <laughs> I said, I'm just Don kidding. Donatello is my favorite Ninja Turtle too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. picked the one that nobody else says Donatello is their favorite. So I'm just gonna, I'll be Team Donatello. Yeah. yeah. Danny's yeah. my favorite new know. kid. I don't know why. Nobody's. I, I nobody's favorite. My family double there, and one of the questions was which one's the oldest. 
And I said Donatello, just like, you know, to myself. And then that was the answer. I don't know how they determined that. Is that true? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that was the show. The same age, they're fucking turtles. <laughs> they came out of eggs. Like, turtles get pretty old. <laughs> they, they live for a long time. Yeah, but I mean, they would be the same age, wouldn't they? Or Are they? I mean, they're separated by minutes, maybe. I, Right, but yeah. they can't be all born simultaneously. Did they ever say in the show? Well, he seems numbers? like the oldest. I'm angry at Family Double Dare now. That seems like a bullshit Let's question. Take this well, it definitely had to be on, yeah. Thank you, Mark Summers. Let's go right now OCD. and find Mark Summers. <laughs> go to his house and spill coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is your... Did you relate to The Undertaker at all? I mean, obviously, so Steve Austin and, and The Rock mm-hmm. were your favorites, but did you... Was there a part of you that maybe understood The Undertaker? Um, no, I don't know. That's a silly question. I mean, I would, I'd want to be The Undertaker. Like, that'd be cool. You would want to be him. Which one, though? Which is your favorite Undertaker? I mean, yeah, classic Undertaker. Classic. With the, the, the robe. The wide brim. The hat. I yeah. like the tie, too. I wish he still wore a tie. He still wore a tie. He wore a tie? He wore either a gray or a purple tie to the ring. Ooh, yeah. classy. Yeah. A black button shirt with the sleeves ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it resembled a vest. I really like that. Yeah. The That's classic. A, but. I wish, now I wish new Undertaker, old guy Undertaker, because yeah. old guy Undertaker is scary looking like in his face because mm-hmm. he's old yeah and that's scary like to me that's him coming in his own when he was younger he had that shitty like you know that five oh yeah, yeah. And, had, and, his, and his sideburns were like would just like, yeah he was out yeah he was a little like rockabilly like southern revival preacher which was kind of cool but like i wish that look was on New Undertaker, who is old Undertaker. Like you know what I hate. I don't about like the his. I don't like his Taz mohawk, and I don't like his fucking Game of Thrones robe. You know what I hate the most? What the MMA gloves? Oh god, yeah, those are obnoxious. <laughs> They're just he like he's a big MMA fan, but I'm like so. Which that's explains why the he mohawk wears, and the. Well, that's why he wears the gloves because I guess he wears too and shit. And he likes to look, but I hate them. I think, yeah. Well, I like them on certain wrestlers. I like them on uh, Steve yeah. Blackman. I like them, on, you know. <laughs> I like them. Steve Blackman. Didn't D'Lo Brown wear them too? You wore a chest protector. So well, yeah, I bet. <laughs> if you if Steve Austin and The Rock were your favorites, what made you choose The Undertaker when Andy asked you what character? Well, because The Undertaker has the most fascinating just mythos of any wrestler. Okay. Who's actually because Stone Cold Steve Austin like his character. He's just a So those are like, well, those are like gimmick changes. So Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's existed in different like into. Well, before that, he was stunning Steve Austin. Yeah. Okay. WCW, and when he came into WWF, he was the ringmaster, and then he was (laughs) right. It was silly. He'll tell you to this day that it sucked the entire time. Okay. (laughs) And then eventually he came up with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was his most popular thing. But the Undertaker, as soon as he debuted. Mm-hmm. Like he wrestled before in WCW just under his own name. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Me yeah. and Mark Callis. Yeah, me and Mark Callis. There. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but when he, from the moment he debuted in WWF, he was The Undertaker. And now, 20 years later, he's still The Undertaker. Yeah. And not one point had, did he go by any other name. He had different nicknames mm-hmm. throughout his career. Yeah. But that's like, I can't... And just like 
the whole like mythical like mm-hmm. part of it makes it incredibly fascinating to talk to and just and, and it goes in, and spills over to how has this brother who he thought that right he died. there is no other character with that kind of a backstory that goes yeah takamichinoku doesn't okay no i mean <laughs> even if you think about like guys who predate the undertaker guys like hulk hogan and rick yeah. flair who are still like relevant in wrestling today they don't have a I think story i think what like comes that. closest is the brett and owen hart thing mm-hmm. uh and that's without the supernatural element to it um i don't know why I think that that's a that's that's a good story with a lot of backstory to it. And yeah, a lot well, that's of, a whole like, intrigue. That's a, that's a, a dynasty, it, like a wrestling yeah. family, mm-hmm. and just yeah. like family like drama, yeah, and everything like that. So it gets like, uh, like but know, it like doesn't opera kind of thing. Yeah, as well. that's yeah exactly. But it doesn't have that added that yeah, yeah, horror element, horror element which yeah. I think makes it amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like no one else can pull that, off. and it's the only. It's like they did that gimmick at the right time where you could buy that in that business. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the only reason we accept it now is because it was, it's been grandfathered. Yeah. But if yeah. you tried to do that same gimmick today, it wouldn't go over. It would, it would feel forced. And yeah, it would people feel, would reject well, also it. because, you know, the public opinion of wrestling was a lot different back then mm-hmm. as far as like whether, like still, a lot of people thought it was a legitimate thing. Right. Maybe it was like, what? Well, maybe That's not. Insane. How do you think something with Doink the Clown running around is legit? Well, this Doink was a little later, I guess. Yeah, well, he didn't exist at the same time. Yeah. But it's just like, it wasn't like, well, wrestling itself didn't acknowledge mm-hmm. that it was a stage. That's, you're right. That's true. Yeah. That these were all characters, that these were all people mm-hmm. who just freely acted mm-hmm. within this company. And they weren't giving any other direction other than who they were fighting and when they were fighting. Yeah. Kayfabe. Oh, God. <laughs> kayfabe wasn't broken yet. What does kayfabe mean? Kayfabe I feel like is, I know this. So kayfabe is basically just being in character. So imagine just like a role-playing game or a role-playing universe. Like if you're playing like Dungeons and Dragons with your friends. You're, you if know, you're LARPing. Yeah, you're LARPing. You're the character that you created. Yeah. That's the same thing if you're a professional wrestler. When you're maintaining kayfabe, you're, you are your character. You don't acknowledge your existence outside of the company outside of the business outside of the show yeah but breaking case so that's what um so it got to a thing especially like that era where kayfabe wrestlers were asked to maintain that outside of the ring okay so it's so like if they're in a rest if undertaker goes to a restaurant yeah he has to <laughs> really <laughs> well not just that to an extent, but more so it's just like, so let's say me and Andy were like wrestlers, but uh-huh. we're in like a, a feud with each other. Like we hated each oh, other. Oh, we saw each other <laughs> but at Griffith Park. We'd have to get into a fight. Oh, wow. Well, we wouldn't be, if we like traveled together. Yeah. People couldn't, they wouldn't want people to see us traveling. Together. Right, okay. Because they would just be like, but they hate each other. Okay. Yeah, but not but not so much as you have to go into a restaurant in your character and screaming no, and like, okay. More than likely no one's going to recognize right, you. Right, okay. You're dressed down. But more as in you have to keep the, the right. stories going that exist in the ring. Yeah, and they don't want yeah. you to acknowledge like the, the staging of it. Right, so okay. Just, and that's just during a time or to this day? No, that's just to a time. I mean, okay. Now it's, we're kind of, I guess, in more of a postmodern era. You've got mm-hmm. the internet, you've got the documentaries about it, you've got I mean, yeah, professional wrestling itself acknowledges its own, like, mm-hmm. yeah. the 
theatrical element to it where they're just like WWE even which produces is maybe its, own why. Doc, its own documentaries okay. about professional wrestling. Which is maybe why you can't have like the colorful characters anymore because it's just right. like but people are going to know. But you can do that, but you can adapt them to the era, which is what like the Wyatt family, who yeah. I described before. So they don't have like mythical powers yeah. or anything like that, but their whole, like their entrance is all the lights are turned out and the leader, Bray Wyatt, carries just a lantern with him That's cool. to the ring mm-hmm. and with his like cohort cohorts like guys who are like you know like they're like demented they but they believe that that's cool i gotta i gotta see these guys yeah no they're really cool and their whole thing is, and he, he's just like a crazy guy and he says like he, he's the he's the eater of worlds <laughs> it's galactus <laughs> that's how he calls himself and god he, he does this some really great promo work he's like and he'll just say shit like um you know like Parents need to stop lying to their children and tell them that monsters don't exist. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so he's so Matthew McConaughey from True Detective. <laughs> so basically, we, <laughs> yeah. it's not that we believe this guy is like a monster mm-hmm. or is like a believer. But we believe exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ooh, that's, that's how cool. you adapt these characters into the modern yeah. era. Oh, that's I nice. Still, I still love the Undertaker's entrance. It's still my favorite. Yeah. It's so slow, and they they, they when I, the last time I saw him when, when he wrestled Triple H in the WrestleMania two years oh, ago, yeah. like and they drew it out. The entrance was like ten fucking minutes long. Yeah. It was so cool because <laughs> it was just and I that was my first time watching wrestling in a long time, and it was it was just so I just love how slow paced it is. How it's like such in such juxtaposition to every other wrestler's entrance, which is mm-hmm. just like this bullshit new metal or rap rap rock music <laughs> with like a bunch of like epile like seizure inducing images on the on the Titan Tron and just like they come out and they like wave their hair and like flex their muscles and point at shit. I don't know, you know, they all they all do Undertakers is just so like that dong <laughs> dong and then it's so simple. That weird uh you know, I can't remember the name of the song. There's like a classical music strain in it that's been associated yeah. with horror movies for a long time, and then even like a Godfather love yeah, sweet esque moment. And also like they'll do for his entrance at WrestleMania, like last year, uh, they had it so he was kind of like on an elevated stage, and they had people like on it, and they turned out the lights so that they were all just sort of like silhouetted and fog, and they were just like reaching up like from hell. Like, oh yeah, damn! Yeah. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. like, yeah, they're yeah. like, they're like, and, oh yeah, and he has this whole thing too, where he like he collects souls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, and also he collects souls. <laughs> but we got like a minute left, and he collects souls. <laughs> that was the one thing that made sense too, because uh, I was talking. What? No, let me. <laughs> Let me elaborate. Okay, so uh, before we start recording, I started talking about like the hard thing to buy is like, what are these guys like end games? Like, why do they want to win matches? Okay. Like, why, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Why do they want to be champions? I'm sad we didn't get into that earlier. Well, when the Undertaker won the championship back, this was like towards like this was like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. No, not even like a little whatever. But he explained it, and he was just like, well, he explained it for him, right? Explained it for him because you know like, he collects souls. Yeah, and he's just like this is and like this is Satan's rule is that the souls have to be collected in the <laughs> guidelines of the WWE. Well, <laughs> using the title, he was like, this is how I'm gonna lure people towards me and then collect their soul. Oh. Like it's just like people. So are it makes want, sense. Yeah. It's like people are gonna want to fight me so that they can be the champion. But they won't beat me, and I'll have their soul. Like, 
<laughs> like it makes like that makes it, more sense though. Yeah, it like, does. Yeah. It does make like more why sense Kane, though, like when like, they gave Kane the belt, it's just like why does Kane want to be champion? Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if Big Boss Man gets in a fight with somebody else based on some law enforcement horse shit, and you're yeah. like, just arrest him. Why are you? Why are you going into the squared circle? You can just arrest him. You're a cop. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was the weird part, too, about wrestling. Tatanka, oh my god, it was the same thing. Like, why are you... This is not the legacy of your people. Why, <laughs> why is this your deal, man? I met him at a thing. Sorry, I will, uh, that's a story for after the podcast, maybe. Okay. I met him at a thing once, and it was it was real sad. I was I'm reminded of the story about how I realized uh, wrestling wasn't what I thought it was. Would you? Ooh. <laughs> well, that was counterproductive. I was trying oh, to just okay. tell yeah. you something. Um, <laughs> we got. We should wrap it up, but I want to hear this. T- tell us this. We'll end on this little story. Okay, so this is when I realized uh, wrestling well, was something dis- disillusioning. Yes. So um, I was. I, I watched a lot of Singled Out uh, back in the day. Oh shit! Me too. Chris Hardwick. Yeah, in general. On the M2? Yeah. yeah I watched that all the time. Show. I loved that show. Um, it was part of their spring break, like, edition, and they did, like, uh... So, for the first half of the show, it's like, girls... Guys were competing for a date with a girl, and they gave her an option. Like, she could either uh, go on a date with the guy who just won, or, like, the surprise celebrity. And she was just like, ah, surprise celebrity! So, like, fuck <laughs> this guy. Who just, like, put a... Who did, like, a facial mascara yeah. thing. And it was, uh, it was the giant, like Paul White, the big show. <laughs> oh, big so, show! Yeah, so she wanted a date with him. <laughs> and then on the second half of the show, they had a celebrity, and it was uh, Buff Bagwell. Oh, my God. And girls were competing with a, for, to go on a date with him. Now, at the time, Buff Bagwell was a member of the NWO. Yeah. And the giant was a big... Big detractor of the end of oh, So when they brought Paul Bagwell, I thought to myself, oh no, do they know that the other's here? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, they bring everybody out at the end of the show. And I was like, they're gonna fucking fight. Like right there <laughs> on the single out set. And they hug this each is other. Gonna be oh, whoa. And they, oh, oh, they hug. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And then, like, it all just, like, I, I found out, like, all of it. And then, um, years later. Oh, God. That's like watching your mom put your fucking presents in your Christmas stocking. <laughs> but then, um, years later, uh, out here, I'm at uh, the Meltdown open mic, and Chris Hardwick's there. And I tell that same story like on stage, <laughs> and he asks me, like, "Oh man, he doesn't even remember it that that episode or anything." <laughs> but he does offer me eight dollars. <laughs> what? What? He, I think he, that's all he had on him. He was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what a child's dreams are worth. Eight dollars. Yeah. So he handed me the eight dollars, and then he said, "Everyone's a winner on Singled Out." <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, Paul, I want to thank you so much for coming by. This has been an interesting conversation. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely has. Uh, Thank you. And uh, guys, uh, listen to the uh, Dead in a Pitch podcast. I'm on a couple of those. Yeah, you are. Uh, It's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun podcast. I like it a lot. Um, Paul Brawl? Oh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul Brawl. I got a website, too, thelaircake.com. There you go. Delicious. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I just got it. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's good. I do too. Good. All right. Well, thanks so much, Paul. Yeah, uh, cool. Sometimes intense, sometimes lighthearted, <laughs> never dull conversation. Thanks so much, Paul, for coming by and talking about The Undertaker with us. I'm actually excited to watch WrestleMania now, uh, which is something I haven't been for a long, long time. So I'm pretty psyched to uh, see The Undertaker destroy Brock Lesnar. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, I hope you guys had fun listening to the episode. Again, uh rate and review us on itunes like us on facebook follow us on twitter at people we know pod and uh have fun out there you know 